You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, listeners, we are back. And this time, Darren is joining us once again for his LGBT segment. And this time, he is having us watch Some Like It Hot. That's right, folks. We are going to be looking at the Marilyn Monroe classic from 1959, and we're going to be diving all into it and ways it, you know, implicates and talks about and associates. It's just, there's tons of things to talk about this. It's been years since I actually have watched this one. So it was a lot of fun to be able to sit down, watch it, explore, take notes on it. It was a lot of fun. And It'll be cool to see, talk about, and everything. So we got a good show ahead of us. And, of course, someone who is always hot in my book, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. Hey, and you don't even have to join a girl band to do that. It's pretty awesome. No, but, but I, I, you know, I just enjoy dressing in drag anyway, so uh, just for fun. Well, you know, everyone has their kinks, and if that's yours, by all means, my friend, it's a good thing. It is a great thing to do, and we're going to have a lot of fun, because joining us also with Darren will be Mary Ogle will be here, and so it should be a lot of fun, the four of us talking all about Some Like It Hot. But of course, we would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Please, we definitely would love to hear what you guys, um, your thoughts on this and stuff. We definitely would love to hear from you. Please write us. That's how we know what you guys think about our topics, what you guys think about, you know, what we're doing here, how we're doing it and everything. And you know what? It's a great way to just say, Hey, Mike and Mike, keep going. You know, we've been doing this for over 10 years. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys, please. As we like to say, we got a lot of content coming your way, but it's just great to hear. It's cool. The show is brought to you tonight by the fine folks at Tifosi Optical. That's right. Tifosi Optics is here and they have a survival guide now. They help you survive all the things in life, especially with everything that 2020 is throwing at you. So just go to Tifosi Optics. You could see everything that, you know, Tifosi sunglasses can help protect you from. All you have to do is go to TifosiOptics.com, put in the ESO network into the coupon. You get 10% off your order. That's pretty darn awesome. And if you want, you could also go now to the brand new ESO Network webpage right on the right side of the page. There is a great banner ad for Tifosi Optics. Click through it there. It just makes it just as easier. So that way you don't have to try to remember. What was that URL that Mike was talking about? Tifosi Optics. Not that bad. Of course, a big shout out to our Patreon folks. That's right. Um, the new episode of the ESO Board Silly just went live today. Episode five is up there, recorded with the ESO board members. And, you know, for as little as 25 cents a week, you could help support the ESO network. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has supported us in the past. And for those who are going to be supporting us in the future, please just go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And like we said, you could get this show, the Dragon Con Report. Yes, there still is a Dragon Con Report. And, of course, 
the ESW podcast or station who 48 hours before they go live to the general public. So you have a little bit of advantage there. You could hear this, you know, right, almost right after we hear it and talk about it. So it's pretty cool. And speaking of our patrons who we love dearly, we're actually joined by one of our patrons tonight. She is taking her shot at the geek seat. That is right, folks. Let's welcome Lydia Kuykendall right to the show. Well and done. Did I do it? Did I do you it? You did it. Or that did was I... it, man. You nailed yes. it. I spelled <laughs> it phonetically. That's why. <laughs> but welcome to the show, Lydia. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Yes. Thank you so much for supporting our efforts here on the ESO Network. And uh, now, we're, do you have a particular sort of specialty as far as your fandom goes, as far as what you what you dig? Ooh, I mean, it, it's long and varied. My original fandom is Star Wars. Um, you know, grew up, don't remember the first time I watched them, could quote pretty much all of the originals by heart. Um, from there, sort of went into the classics, uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, I was a huge Buffy fan. I'm pretty, I was pretty much the same age as, as Buffy and her compatriots were in high school. So that was a growth journey for me. Um, Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, um, all the Marvel movies, um, you know, really sort of basic geek stuff. I'm, I'm probably on board. And honestly, just in the last few months have, have started my first Dungeons and Dragons campaign. So that's moved up my list. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Getting into, you know what, I, I as much as I uh, like the idea, I've just never been able to commit to a, to a campaign of Dungeons and Dragons. So it's a lot. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, it seemed like a big hole in my geek resume and, and I kind of wanted, <laughs> I wanted to fill it. So I went to a friend of mine who I knew played, you know, back in the day and, and he got a game together and now we, play once a week which turned out to be great timing because nobody has anything else to do <laughs> look at you you're you're checking off the uh the geek checklist you got the the the, the scorecard there right exactly and uh and now i guess so i i don't know i mean i would say you could check off uh being on a podcast now too but i don't know have you been on a podcast before what, what are your feelings about podcasts obviously you're supporting our network so i'm mm-hmm. i'm thinking that you like it it's all right yeah no I think I think y'all are great very very happy to support the work that you do and I um in previous past lives and jobs I did a decent amount of media work so radio and things but um I'm not sure I've ever been on a podcast so this might actually be a first excellent excellent do you do you listen to a lot of podcasts I mean apart from the network or you know Uh, no actually I don't know if it'll be good or bad for y'all but you're kind of kind of the only thing I listen to podcast wise I don't I don't do a whole lot of more of a more of a music person normally you don't need to listen to anybody else Uh, just start at the top and stay there we don't we don't need that kind of competition yeah (laughs) just keep on saying we're the top we are the top yeah (laughs) uh well very cool like i said we appreciate it um how long have you been uh, listening do you just listen to which shows do you listen to on the network so the the dragon con report got me hooked i'm a huge dragon con fan um and so it was sort of a good way to to feed the beast leading up to the to the big event and I, that's how i found uh that's how i found the network and then you know it's funny you mentioned um the the movie y'all are watching and i gosh i used to watch that movie back in the day so i found you know, you some of the movie reviews that you do and just kind of generally delved a little farther in, like the reviews of the new Doctor Who series. I listened to some of those. Um, 
which I think summed up my feelings pretty well <laughs> uh, for, for the most part there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you the, the and everybody report, else there. yeah, the, the con report pulled me in and then sort of picked and picks and pick and choose some other stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So are you, do you, do you uh, attend Dragon Con often? Yeah, this would have been my eighth or ninth year. I can't remember. It started out, um, my older sister lived in Atlanta and she, she went just sort of as a local once. And um, I also have a twin sister. So the next year she said it was so awesome. And the three of us went and sort of did like a sister con deal that was really fun. And we did that for the next few years until my my twin sister had some had some kids and was no longer able to attend as often. But I, I, I still make my way up there um, with my older sister and one of my best friends. So. Cool. Awesome. So wow. you basically picked up the slack for her, basically. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, had to keep that family name going. Oh, of course, of course. Well, as you probably know, then, uh, Dragon Con is, is an event that's near and dear to uh, our hearts here at, uh, at our Station One. Um, and I can't even imagine. I mean, it's a weird year for us here. Uh, I mean, I'm glad it's going on in some ways um you know virtually uh but it, yeah and the, the realization that this is going to be the first the first year that uh the first time that i'm going to be spending at home labor day weekend in 26 years is very strange <laughs> yeah yeah strange is one word for it heartbreaking <laughs> any number of things <laughs> What what do you like to do at Dragon Con? Is it the panels? Is it the celebrities? Do you do you go in costume or is it all the above? Or? Um, you know, we'll we'll do some panels. I certainly like some some of the panels. Weirdly, uh, I found myself really liking a lot of the voice acting panels. I think they're really fascinating. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love the Black Lightning panels from the last couple of years, and so some various fandoms that I'm I'm always going to be a little interested in. But honestly, mostly it's just. You know, it's called Nerdy Gras, right? And I'm in New Orleans. And so we, we have the, the Mardi Gras. And that's honestly why I like it. It's just a big geek party. So, you know, we like the last party on Alderaan. And we'll go sit in the hotel bars and people watch all day. So, Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I definitely can see doing that. There's been many times at Dragon Con that I just like to sit it back and, and you know, because you never know what's going to come around the corner. Exactly. Take a lot of pictures with, with consent. I take a lot of pictures. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you, Mike, uh, at the risk of, uh, you know, potentially losing a patron. I think it's only fair that, uh, you know, we, we strap her down in the geek seat. Well, you know, she's from New Orleans, so they're used to being tied up down there. So it's okay. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there, there's secrets about new orleans that you know once you go there you learn but until then you just think oh they've got great jazz it's cool it's awesome <laughs> food and jazz that's it exactly that's it that's got, it because they got they finally got rid of that pesky vampire problem oh exactly you know <laughs> for sure well, no ghosts either. exactly i think ann rice actually moved back so she might be you know haunting them again so which should be very interesting to see. But all right, Lydia, you ready for your first question in the geek seat? Let's do it. All right. What was your favorite geek out moment? Well, unsurprisingly, it was Dragon Con. Um, and <gasps> really? I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. I know. It's shocking. I, I don't remember what year it was. It was several years back. And I, um, so Hurricane Isaac had actually just come through New Orleans and it wasn't a super bad storm, but it was big and nobody had any power and I didn't know if I was going to get out. Um, so the fact that I actually made it to Dragon Con made it, made it pretty cool. Um, but it was one of the last years, I think they had Battlestar panels. Um, and I, I got there in time to see 
Adama and sort of the whole crew and just listening to Adama lead the whole ballroom in a chant of so say we all I mean I cried like a baby I just did so that was that was one of my favorite geek out moments I would have to say I could totally understand that one wow that probably was like a moment like oh I was so tired too (laughs) it was it was perfect what was your most disappointing geek out moment I mean, it's got to be the prequels, right? Like, just the episode one of Star Wars. I'm not sure everyone, anyone's ever going to get over that. And I, Lord, I really hope that's still my most disappointing geek out moment 20 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand that. But that's one of our number one answers on the show. <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> what geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? Um... You know, I've been a a book nerd probably longer than I've been any other kind of nerd. So I love reading um, fiction, historical fiction, nonfiction, kind of uh, whatever. Um, I like seeing myself reflected in, in, you know, the the fandoms that I like. So, you know, whatever it's a TV show or a a movie or a book, um, always like seeing pieces of myself there that always fulfills the the inner geek Um, and being around other geeks. Um, I, you know, I love geeks. And so when we get together on mass, it, it's always a pretty good time. So those are, those are probably my, my favorites or the things that geek me out the most. That's awesome. That is truly awesome. There, we have an event here, actually. It's at the same time as Dragon Con, usually. It's called the Decatur Book Fair, where they have all these authors come and, you know, it's hundreds of authors. And it's like, almost like, some of the authors who come to Dragon Con actually split their time between Dragon Con and the book fair, which is awesome. Cool. I don't think I knew about that. I will have to check that out when the world resumes turning. <laughs> Someday, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What turns your geek off? Um, you know, <laughs> and it's funny I say this. I don't actually really do much social media, but even I, the Luddite that I am in that particular area, am aware of fandom squabbling. Really hate fandom squabbling. It's just it's like you know we're all we're all in this together. This is everybody likes the show. Maybe you like this person or this relationship better, but there's no need to knock somebody else down just because you don't agree. And it's, that's been getting worse and worse over the last few years. Yeah, that's what I hear. Sad. Yeah. Glad you're staying away from it. It's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? <laughs> you know, this one's tough just because I think all of the most interesting characters, let's be honest, are really messed up. Like they all need a lot of therapy and I don't know if I really want to meet them in real life. It would probably be a bit of a train wreck. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go classic and I'm going to say I would like to meet um, Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. Oh wow! That's on my list. That is pretty awesome. That's a first. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> what fictional character would you not like to meet? This is also a, a bit of a curveball for me, probably. But <clears throat> hear me out. I do have a reason. So it's actually the doctor, <laughs> and it's the doctor because I would one hundred percent get in that little blue box and then never be heard from again in some alternate spider dimension whatever would end up happening to me and i actually really like my life on this earth so i just don't need that temptation that's that's the whole deal there you're not the first person to say that on the show (laughs) (laughs) you know as as the doctor says anyone who enters the tardis is never the same yeah exactly you know i i like me so (laughs) i'll just leave it (laughs) what is your favorite geek word 
phrase, quote, mm -hmm. or pose? Now, I, I don't really know why. I mean, I watched this movie a lot as a kid, The Sandlot, if you all remember, but um, mm -hmm. I, I find myself saying, um, uh, you're killing me, Smalls, all the time. I, I don't really know <laughs> why, but, but that's definitely one. And then Galaxy Quest, I think, has a lot of, a lot of quotable moments in there. This yes. episode was badly written, comes out for some reason all the time, too. So <laughs> probably those. That is awesome. That, that is awesome. What is your ideal geek occupation? You know, I really like what I do for a living. So it's hard for me to imagine doing something else. So just would want to make it geekier. I, I work in advocacy, specifically public health and healthcare advocacy. And so I guess it would be just organizing geeks um, to do, you know, some form of social justice campaign. Um, but that would, I suppose, be my, my ideal my ideal geek occupation is doing what I'm doing now, but with geeks. Oh, sure. No, that's, that's great that you get to do that and everything. Kudos to you. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> what geek occupation would you not like to do? You know, probably mo most of the traditional ones. Um, my, one of my best friends, he's really like my brother is a, um, a computer forensic scientist and his his job makes my brain hurt and it's he's great at it and it's important but sort of it, any of that particular programming world I, I, no i can't stare at a computer screen that long yeah uh, totally understand that that's our number one answer actually <laughs> all right good yeah so you're you're doing great so far all right <laughs> are you ready for your final question in the geek seat hit it all right lydia what is your ultimate geek fantasy? Gosh, I mean, right now it's just getting out of the house. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> our, our standards have changed so much in these last six months. Um, you know, honestly, it's probably uh, getting like a, a big old one or two, just big old sweeps at the Marriott at Dragon Con, bringing all of my favorite people and just partying for a few days with a whole bunch of geeks. That is a great fantasy. And hopefully you'll be able to live that someday. One day. Because <laughs> you know why? You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Thanks, Mr. Guys. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, which doesn't mean that we don't want your patrons. Uh, <laughs> well, good, because it's automatically withdrawn and I'm not touching it. <laughs> ah, well. Um, a value easily worth, uh, we'll say this time it's only 69 cents, but you know, Ooh, ouch. Well, it's yeah, better than last could, time where it was just know, marbles. Time, you yeah. know, time, quarantine times are tough, man. They are, they are. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm certainly happy to support you guys and we'll continue to do so. I really appreciate the content y'all put out and I know it takes a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you well, we, so we, we, so much. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And I mean, and all kidding aside, that is it is really awesome, uh, overwhelming actually uh, to think that people actually like you know like it like what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Isn't that a weird feeling? They like me. Very, they really like me. I was thinking strange. the Sally Fields moment. It was like you like me. You really, really like me. Uh, that was actually a pretty uh, good impression. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so so much we do appreciate you know everything you do and folks lydia's doing it why can't you you could also be up here in the geek seat 
at by just helping support the ESO network. And, you know, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And for like we keep on saying for as little as 25 cents a week, it's not even a cup of coffee a month, folks. Come on. It's really worth it. And you get some great stuff. And you know what? Just help support us because that keeps my lights on in the house. It's a good thing. So Lydia, thank you. We're not untying you or anything, but you're you're stuck with us. So it's okay. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Let's take a quick break and we will be back in a moment with Some Like It Hot. End of the spring. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I'm planning to talk a little bit more in depth about this topic on my blog over at the ESO Podcast website this week, but I've been spending a lot of time reflecting recently on the fact that at this part of the year is normally when I be doing reflections on the summer box office season, what the best movies were, what ones kind of flopped. It's interesting because I haven't been to see a new movie in theaters since March. So that's a really weird feeling. In some ways, there have still been some positives come out of it because I've really enjoyed catching up on some older movies and TV shows that I'd missed. Uh, This summer, I watched the thriller The Night Manager starring Tom Hiddleston. So, so good. I also watched HBO's John Adams miniseries. I watched the movie movie Logan Lucky. There's just a lot of cool things that I've gotten to see that honestly I probably wouldn't have had time for if I'd been going back to the movie theater every weekend as I often do during the summertime. But still, it is sad because going to the movies is one of my favorite summertime experiences and there's nothing quite like it. So... Not quite sure when that experience will be returning. I know that uh, some AMC theaters, one of the largest theater chains, is looking at reopening soon here with social distancing and mask requirements. But, you know, it's a difficult time to make those kind of decisions. Is wearing a mask and social distancing inside a theater enough to be safe? It's it's a really weird time. And these are questions we're going to have to keep asking ourselves as we go through this experience until we have a vaccine or more reliable treatment. So definitely a lot to going on, a lot to think about. In terms of streaming lately, I finished up the Umbrella Academy Season 2 on Netflix, which was so, so good. Highly recommend that if you haven't seen Season 1 or 2. Both are really great, a really high-quality show. Great cinematography, acting, wonderful streaming experience to dive into. I've also been watching the King Arthur retelling called Cursed on Netflix, which is pretty good. It's not quite as good as Game of Thrones, which is like the fantasy TV series that I compare everything to. But I like it more than The Witcher. For whatever reason, The Witcher just didn't quite connect with me. I ended up bailing on it after a couple episodes, but I'm enjoying Cursed more. So I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. I know that King Arthur and Robin Hood, those are kind of ones that have been done over and over and over again. But I actually kind of like this take on it. There's enough different going on with Cursed that it's holding my interest. So that's another one I recommend. 
That's about it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, I'm still blogging over at the ESO podcast website, and I'm excited to see some digital virtual Dragon Con programming coming up. So even though it's kind of a crazy year and shows no signs of slowing down, I'm excited that we still have some ways to connect online and some things to look forward to. Do you know you could take the Dragon Con report with you wherever you go? Heck, we're even now up on Alexa. Hey Alexa, play the Dragon Con podcast up on iHeartRadio. Playing the Dragon Con report from iHeartRadio. Playing the latest episode, the 2020 Dragon Con report episode 2. Howdy everyone and welcome to the second episode of the 2020 Dragon Con report. Now, how cool is that? Remember, the Dragon Con report can be found wherever you find podcasts. See you at the show in September. since Scarface, so much action. Not since the Marx Brothers, so much comedy. Not since the seven-year itch, so much Maryland. The best picture this year will also be the funniest. Good night, sugar. Good night, honey. There's one thing sure, boy never met girl like this before. You've never laughed more at sex or a picture about it. You stay here as long as you like. Jack may have beaten Tony to the sugar, but not for long. You're not giving yourself a chance. Don't fight it. Marilyn sing the fabulous songs of the Roaring Twenties on the United Artists soundtrack album. Hey there, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are going back to 1959 and we're looking at the Billy Wilder classic, Some Like It Hot. Take it away, Darren. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's a classic, all right. Uh, A film made in 1959, filmed in black and white. (laughs) which was odd at that point in in cinema history. Um, We have just a quick synopsis on this because this is a sex farce um, in its most broadest terms. Uh, We have two down-on-the-luck musicians, uh, Joe and Jerry, working in the underground in Chicago during Prohibition. 
They witness a Valentine's Day massacre-style shooting, and to avoid the mob, they take jobs in drag as part of an all-girl singing uh, band heading to Florida as Josephine and Daphne, because <laughs> that's how <laughs> Jack Lemon says Daphne. Um, <laughs> sexual identity hijinks ensue thereon, and they meet Sugarcane Kowalczyk, played by Marilyn Monroe, uh, who is an alcoholic singer-slash-ukulele player. Uh, they all make it to Florida, and Joe makes a serious play for Sugar, masquerading as the heir to the Shell Oil dynasty named Junior. While Daphne is accosted by millionaire Osgood Fielding III in the elevator. Uh, Joe falls for Sugar, and Sugar falls for Joe, and Osgood proposes to Daphne. And as luck would have it, there would be an Italian opera lovers convention at this very same hotel in Florida, which is just a thinly veiled mob convention. And the guys who are looking for Joe and Jerry have no idea that they're looking for Josephine and Daphne are down there, as well as the cop who traveled to this Florida hotel. I want to know what the budget was for Chicago police at that point. Okay. (laughs) They definitely got around. They did. They did. So they're all hanging around and more uh, mobster hijinks ensue. There's another massacre that Joe and Jerry are quasi witness to. Um, and so they tried to run away, and um, it is uh, implied that <laughs> they all get away on Osgood's little uh, skid away to his yacht. Um, Osgood, Daphne Jr., and Sugar all in the one boat, and meanwhile, uh, Jr. and Sugar are in the back seat. And Osgood, who's already uh, proposed to Daphne earlier in the movie, and Daphne says, I can't marry you because I'm a man. And Osgood just says, Well, nobody's perfect. End of movie. Mm hmm. And smirks. And smirks. Yeah. smirks. <laughs> smirks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're reviewing Good night, this. everybody. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's the whole movie. <laughs> uh, we're reviewing this as part of the LGBT uh, movies. Um, so why is this movie an important movie to the LGBT film lexicon <laughs> is, is a good question, isn't it? Well, one – oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, can I just say that – okay, so sometimes when we do these movies, it's kind of like, okay, why would this one be – like, what, what, the, what is the connection here? We kind of have to, like, reach and, and kind of look and investigate deeply as what connection <laughs> – not so with some like it hot. It's is this is kind of obvious. Kind of obvious. <laughs> like like the Hayes code right away knew that this was this we're, was we're gonna not... get to that Hayes code. <laughs> Billy Wilder was a naughty, naughty man as a director. He really was. He he never sent in his pages for review to the Hayes Code board. No, and he cut he his movies in the camera. So there wasn't a lot of leftover film. So what he shot was what the movie was. Yep. Basically. So they couldn't cut anything. They'd have a 30 minute movie. Period. I mean, Jack Lemon's in drag for like yeah, an hour and 30 of it. <laughs> and Tony Curtis is in drag for an hour of it. So, I mean, what are you going to cut together to make a movie when men aren't in drag? There's nothing there to cut together. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exactly. exist. You could clip out the, the Maryland singing routines and plop them in another movie, I guess. But even that's going to be really weird at the end of the day so um it is important because this is the second to last film that marilyn monroe did um her last film was called the misfits Um, she was in the midst of filming something's got to give which remains unfinished to this day um she was filming that when she passed away and then of course um her being the icon of ultimate feminine you know goddess 
you know, the ultimate man's desire, Marilyn Monroe. Even the train flirts with Marilyn Monroe as she walks by. (laughs) You know, it's like steam release. Really? Really, Billy? Really? (laughs) Yeah, if there was an innuendo to be made, (laughs) Billy Walder Yeah, pretty much. Oh, big time. Naming her sugar cane was bad enough, for Christ's (laughs) sake. (laughs) I changed it. Yeah, right. Sure you did, Marilyn. Um, (laughs) The the innuendo of the guys are off pastry, off cakes, and off sugar. Because, <laughs> of yeah, course, they, exactly. can't, they can't blow their cover that they're men because then they'll get kicked out of the band. They have no money. They have nowhere to go. It's freezing in Chicago. The mob is after them. So there's a lot of pressure on them, and they had to put that setup in there in order for people to actually believe that men would dress up as women. Shocking. Oh, God forbid. Now, they must be desperate. No, they, they had to be desperate, right? This is 1929. They're broke. They don't even have overcoats because they hocked those for a, a race of some sort. A dog race. A dog and, race, which they Which lost. they lost, of course. That's yeah, why they're freezing course. in Chicago. And now, um, I think as Joe picks up the phone, calls the talent agent, gets the job. And then the next scene, they are in full drag walking down the train platform. I got to tell you, it takes more than an afternoon to get yourself in <laughs> costume and drag makeup, and makeup. in 1929, <laughs> which, which is why they filmed this in black and white. They did a week of makeup tests with them, a week, and they had to film it in black and white because the guy's makeup had a green tint under it. Made them look kind of alien-esque in a way. But it, if you see pictures, color pictures of it, it is really it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. So they had to, uh, Marilyn Monroe had a clause in her contract that said, I will always be filmed in color. So she had to sign an agreement saying, this is okay. I will be in black and white for this movie. Or else she would have to drop out of the part completely. Um, I don't know. They were going to have Mitzi Gaynor <laughs> as her role. But because Marilyn signed on, they, they skipped Mitzi altogether. That's how Jack Lemmon got into it because they wanted to have guys who are more well-known in these parts. So they got Tony Curtis and they got Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon was the, the second banana. He became the, the more crazier one. And Tony became the more straight laced girl. You well, know, you as know, far as though, it. Jack Lemmon wasn't the original person oh, yeah. for that role. Mm-hmm. It was, they were looking at Danny Kaye. They even looked at Sinatra for that role. Yeah. And Sinatra. No, no way Sinatra was going to do this. That would have been Sinatra was late to the meeting for that movie, and that's when Billy Wilder said no. Never be late for a meeting in Hollywood, kids. You'll you'll be perceived as being too much trouble. Well, well, that, unless you're Marilyn. I was going to say, unless you're yeah. Marilyn. <laughs> Marilyn's a whole other issue because, I mean, unfortunately she had already had a miscarriage or two maybe at this point, and she did have a third miscarriage while filming this movie. So, oh, wow. She she was going through it emotionally here. I know people give Marilyn a lot of heat, especially in like some of the behind the scenes stuff where Tony Curtis allegedly said it's like kissing Hitler, although he denied that later, like immediately later. Um, it, it's one of those things where she was going through it emotionally and God only knows what she was actually thinking. It was one of those moments where you really needed to have a post-traumatic stress disorder coach on the on the set as opposed to an acting coach just telling her to get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. 
but they were they were having to write her lines down on everything so she could just read them like in in the drawers where she's asking for the bourbon after she and junior break up her lines were in the drawers as she was opening them so she knew what to say oh wow yeah it was it was bad she wasted i think she caused the the movie alone to go over half a million over budget from wasted time and recuts and reshoots but you know what i mean that said uh it's maryland you know, if if you don't <laughs> but if you don't know mm-hmm. like you couldn't she tell still she yeah. still pulls it off oh, i yeah. mean she she gives a great I mean, she gives a great performance i mean obviously billy and the editor like you know like make her look good uh, oh, but yeah. i mean she's and I, I like yeah she gets a lot of crap but she's really good mm-hmm. like she could be like she's on it like there's nobody else i mean she is that's why she was the ultimate like sex pot right oh yeah she she i mean she fulfills that that role perfectly better than anybody if he if you can get marilyn you get marilyn yep remember all about eve when we talked about how she was fired for not being photogenic right right yeah right this this movie those dresses did everything (laughs) possible for her breasts she had it was sheer it was sheer not just her breasts her other side her other side too it's true (laughs) it was sheer and then sequins and then solid fabric over what they could not show thanks to the the haze yeah i was i kept going man what does that look like in color i know right it's like wow that's yeah, I was <laughs> the scene in the train where they're all in their underwear. I'm like, how did they get away with all that? All on their pajamas in one birth. <laughs> how did right. that happen? It's like the birth has got to be like 18 feet long. <laughs> Whatever. And poor Jack Lemon's character is like, gotta stay calm. I'm a girl. I'm, I'm a girl. girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. Well, what's what's really what's really strange about the movie is that I mean, especially since I've I've seen it many, many, many times, and and it took me a few times to realize in the in like in the train, it's Jack Lemon that is like uh, like he's the one that's all over. Uh, oh yeah, uh, sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then once yeah. uh, once there's that scene in the bathroom, uh, and then when they get to the hotel, it switches completely over to Tony Curtis. And, oh and, yeah. And, well, and remember, mean, Sugar mm-hmm. says she always falls for the sax players. Yep. I mean, that's all of a sudden, you know, but she still goes back and, you know, I mean, uh, it's it, the, the roles are very much reversed and there's a lot of role reversal in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think you could like, uh, I mean, yeah. a, a ton of it. Like, I mean, if you count the times you'll, well, if it's a drinking game, you're going to be wasted by like <laughs> the 10 minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's just uh but it's just another way where they where they have fun with that flipping the script mm-hmm. poor oh, exactly. Joe having to get into that cold bathtub with the soap on top of it from from the bath from the from the beach <laughs> scene I'm like how did he do that well yeah of course he climbed the outside of the hotel to get to the room first that's how exactly. he did it <laughs> come on he's and, not dumb. and i love how tony curtis was channeling rock hudson oh oh it's Gary grant Gary Grant. Gary Grant. That's right. He was Tony was pulling Cary Grant when he was when he's playing that character and when he was dressed up as uh as Junior. Josephine, uh, he's uh he's is his mother and uh Grace Kelly he said he pulled from. So Oh and, and a little bit of Eve Arden, he said in one interview, mm. believe it or not, which I totally can see. That pursed yeah, lips I can see that. prim and proper. <laughs> Yeah. You're right. You know, well, as opposed to Daphne, who you know, three drinks in, woo! You know, it's a wild one, apparently. Well, it's funny. Yeah. Judy was like watching it with me last night, and she was like, 
when she was like saw Jack Lemon in, in drag, she was like, she looks like the he, she looks like the one from Saturday Night Live, that Kate McKinnon person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kate McKinnon, please don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Darren, you said that uh, um, you know that they didn't have much time to adjust to being women, uh, but when you know behind the scenes, when you've got uh, Babette coaching you. Uh, that that's that's a pretty good way to learn how to be uh, a a a um, female impersonator. Oh yeah, right? they, they they did a lot of um, they had to do a lot of how do you walk in these shoes? I mean, they they had to find shoes that would fit them. I mean, back then drag queens were not a thing; they were called female impersonators, and they were rare. If you were to find one, it would be very you would have to like go looking in either the the seediest clubs of New York or L.A or San Francisco to find a female impersonator back then. Yeah. I think, uh, Barbette was from originally from Texas, but he became like a, a, a celebrity in Europe and Paris, uh, particularly, but, oh, yeah. um, Europe so, was fine with it. You know? Yeah. I don't know if you were as familiar. I mean, I'm not extremely familiar with Barbette, but I didn't know if that was a, a name that you hadn't recognized before. That. Um, occasionally it's come up, but I've not done any research on that particular, uh, entertainer but it doesn't surprise me that they called in a professional because men don't walk like women walk <laughs> and women don't walk like men walk and it's it's a very difficult thing to master um when you when you're walking in heels and they teach you this now in acting classes because we were doing a french restoration theater in which men wear heels you know those the suits back then you had a little heel because it was also the men were also on display as being a dandy of a sort. So you had to learn, you walk on the ball of your foot, not, not the heel of your foot. So you're putting all your weight forward. So your butt sticks out of your waistcoat basically. And that's what they wanted it to look at. It's exactly how a woman's posture works in high heels. When you, when you've got that scene, that famous scene where Marilyn is at the train, she's walking and Joe and Jerry are watching her. It's funny because Joe's watching what we're all watching, right? Yep. Like look at yeah, of course. But Jerry, but Jerry's like, like, legitimately like saying like how does she do that what's, like, what's like the mechanics of that he's, exactly he's trying to figure out yes. like because he's trying like he wants to know the process. now that now that he's in dress like he's wearing a dress yeah. and he's wearing that he's like how does she do that like how can i do that almost well he you kept know? falling out of his heels he was hitting his ankle a couple of times you know and they weren't high heels i i want to know which chicago woman they went to to get that those clothes I, there's, there's a missing scene here that i am dying <laughs> how, how do you get these two guys like real real guys to be women in three hours and get them to a train station and then god forbid how do you get them to shave on on a train you know because i'm sure tony curtis had you know five o'clock shadow in the morning you know there's no question oh, of course. about that so it's the magic of the movie. Yeah, they kind of glossed they, over. They that. also glossed over Adam's apple. These girls do nothing to hide their Adam's apples at all. So No, because they're yeah, wearing that's... like V-necks inside. They're, they're wearing V-necks the entire time. Like, is no one looking at your throat at all? This is kind of <laughs> obvious, but okay. Uh, but it's, but I, I just like the fact the that they I just like the fact that like very early on they're they're sowing the seeds so that when you know, when when you've got the old, that final scene between Jerry and uh, uh, the um, Osgood, like it 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 still rings true. It doesn't seem to come out of nowhere. Like you sort of lay these seeds that Jerry is kind of more the the more of the feminine one, 
right? Well, I mean, he says it himself. Well, I would say he's more he's more the queer coded. Yeah. Oh, well, one. totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, Osgood that's a good way to put it. All. <laughs> Osgood's oh, yeah. very well, yeah, Osgood's, Osgood's just out yeah, there. I mean, he's not coded. He's, he's there. Just, it's like, oh, look. It's obvious. The, the sissy is actually the straight man here. That's interesting. How did that work out in the casting? I mean, when he takes the rose out of Daphne's mouth during the tango scene, I mean, come on. Yes. Uh, Daphne, you're leading again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, really? Really? I don't think you mind that much, Osgood. Just go with it. <laughs> Always but talking about fun. what his mother wants. Yeah, it's like really, yeah. Really? <laughs> he's he's been married several times. Exactly like, seven yeah, times he was husband. married. It was just like craziness. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Jack Lemon bought right into it, and it was just like I was asked to be married. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> who's the lucky girl? Me. <laughs> why would you want to marry a guy security (laughs) you can't blame him he's been living a hell of a life with joe as his roommate look in 1920 like in like 1929 i'm sure security financial security was was very appealing and very attractive but you know i want to say these guys are not heroes they they don't go to the police with their information hey we witnessed a murder no. At any no, no. point, that is not an option for these two. They're like, we are running from the mob. That is the option we're taking. Done. Yeah. No, so. the thing was, though, the police weren't even that helpful in this no. anyway. You know, against no. any of the, you know, murders that happened. Good it was just like, exactly. Spatz was getting away with it. it. It had to take the other mobsters to take him out. Mm-hmm. And right. Yeah, the police were just on the periphery yeah. Yeah. if your birthday party's early or late suspiciously kids you should leave the room i'm just saying just don't sit there for it because it's exactly coming. especially from a giant cake you got to know something right there. especially <laughs> from a rival monster you know? I did like the fact that it's like yeah what when that happened i'm like you deserve yeah. that because you are so stupid yes. for just sitting there you know, the rest of his guys are singing along he's a jolly good fellow like oh you're about to die you idiots come on exactly <laughs> Well, okay, there you go. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there goes the middle management of Chicago right there. And, of course, you know, a thinly veiled Al Capone stand-in, obviously, for the bad mobster. Because, you know, Chicago, Al Capone killed half of Chicago, and they put him away for tax evasion. So there you go. Exactly. You think you got me? Yeah. yeah. Grabbed his, hear- his hearing aid, you know, the speaker for it. Yep. Yeah, we gotcha. But this movie is important because it does play, obviously, with gender identity, as we've been talking, between the men having to dress up as women. Sorry, that was my cat going crazy, if you heard that in the background. Mm. Um, Just the men dressing up as women in order to play as women when they're trying to hide themselves from a a killer. This this has been done for a while. This is the one of the best examples of drag as humor because it is imposed upon men as an, as their only option, their only alternative, you Mm -hmm. know? And so the audience is coded in seeing this as humorous because it is funny to see men dressed up as women. That is an accepted trope. It's been there since TV. Um, If you look at the history of acting, you know, women didn't really get into acting until the 1800s. Right before that, it was men playing. Men played the women and boys played the women and that kind of stuff because it was considered immoral for women to have jobs or whatever. Um, Unless you were a nun, I suppose. That was the only acceptable 
job, maybe, maybe um, somewhere well, teacher, but probably not that. A lot much. of people don't realize that Romeo and Juliet back in the you know, <laughs> 1600s was portrayed. Romeo and Romeo, exactly. <laughs> Romeo and Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Um, so it for for this to be part of the gay pantheon of movies. It is that examination of gender identity and the and the realization of this was the top comedy of that year. This was the be- mm. the funniest movie of that year is this movie. And Except these, in Kansas. Well, yes, where it was banned <laughs> by the League of Decency, all five of them or whatever. It was a hit everywhere except Kansas. Except Kansas. Yep. <laughs> Forgot about that. That's funny. Uh, showing everywhere except Kansas. <laughs> it's kind of like a badge of pride, really, when you think about it. So that know. explains why actually Pauls hasn't seen this yet, right? Probably. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Never took that law off the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why she's not joining us today and, and, and we'll see as we we're obviously going to be watching more drag related movies because drag is a part of the gay community it's a thing that happens in the gay world and but you're going to start seeing people who really live their lives as drag being a part of it and it's a serious art to them and it's not played for laughs and it is a a thing in which they they earn their living because there was no place for them which is why uh, back in the 80s in um, Broadway, HIV ravaged that community because it was full of gay men, you know, between costumers and performers and choreographers and dancers. And you can go on and on. Um, a lot of drag artists went away at that point just because it was a problem. But drag's been a part of the gay community ever since we saw this on the movie screen, ever since we saw uh, Betty Davis in that all about Eve dress. Ever since we saw Joan Crawford and her big shoulders <laughs> in any movie she was in, <laughs> basically. Uh, all of these iconic Hollywood looks, including Marilyn, um, all that exaggerated feminine energy is something that uh, gay men play with when they are on stage as drag performers. And women play with that over... Um, stylized sense of male masculine energy when they are drag kings it goes both ways there's drag queens and drag kings and there's there's more exposure for drag queens right now it's very vogue and drag kings are kind of making their way into that area but i wanted to to look at this movie to say oh ha 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 isn't this funny these guys are in drag and we'll compare this later to a movie like torch song trilogy where drag is their occupation where the guys aren't in drag outside of drag. And we'll compare it to Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the Australian film, which really kind of showed three drag artists as real people, plus doing shows. And we'll get to the, I like to call it the Disney version of that movie, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which really sanitized the drag world for American tastes. It kind of scrubbed out the icky, nasty underside of it for the most part and put it on display of, isn't drag, aren't drag queens nice, everybody? And we're going to look at some documentaries like Paris is Burning, where um, the big mm. drag balls in New York, this is real life, and it is not something to be ha-ha-ha-ha-ha at all. You know? I-, I think it's important to start in the history of it. Start where most Americans who are living today will remember seeing a clip of this movie at some point in their lives. Probably on TCM. 
you know, Turner Classic Movies is always good for that. If you're flipping through, what are these old guys doing in drag? Wow, oh, it's a lot, it's a blast, you know. <laughs> and back then it was, it was funny. And of course, they updated this in the '80s. Bosom Buddies was basically the same plot. Oh, of got, course. Got Very Tom much Hanks so. his break in the real, you know, Hollywood at the time. He had done a few things, I'm sure, before then, but that's where I knew him from first. Where the guys have to dress up as women to get a cheap rent in New York City. Probably a very relatable thing. <laughs> if there are still women-only hotels in New York, I don't know if there are or not, but that might be a thing. Don't know. There actually ah, are. See, Mary knows. She's she's got connections. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize this until you know I was researching it this time. But uh, I mean, they actually tried to sell this as a pilot as a series in 1961. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, they were going to make some like it hot the show starring Tina Louise and. Um, uh, which is on a TV version that's, you know, if you can't get Marilyn, right, the TV version yep, equivalent Louise, is Tina Louise, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you uh, played the part on Gilligan's uh-huh. Island. And, 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 and actually, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon do make a cameo in the pilot, um, but, of course, it wasn't, you know, it didn't get picked up. And Shocker. Because it because of Kansas. Because it wouldn't air in Kansas. <laughs> Nielsen ratings in Kansas were, you know, down the basement for this movie. No, but it was a little too too soon for that. But there's nothing nowadays that you would look at this movie and go, oh my gosh, this is scandalous. There's nothing about this movie that is shocking to the world that we're living in now. We we know guys dress up in drag. Thank you, RuPaul. I mean, we've seen drag everywhere. Yeah. It's innocuous now, right? So, but back then, in the 1950s, oh my gosh, how dare you! And it, it's important for that reason because Billy Wilder really broke some ground here. Even though it's two straight guys dressing up in drag, they are dressed up in drag, and they're trying to seriously pass themselves off as women. And passing is difficult because the hands always give you away. Yeah, it's it's interesting how in the movie though, the script wise, they need to come up with a life or death scenario for mm-hmm. them to be able to. To have to do this, oh, right? They had to. They there would be no other it reason. Would be acceptable right, for right. them to do. But it. I do find it's interesting. Yes. Like if you, I mean, yeah, you know, you gave us a synopsis, which is was a great synopsis of the movie. But also, I think it could be boiled down to two guys. Like, really, what's the what's the what is this movie? It's two guys who are literally running away from macho testosterone <laughs> masculine stereotypes, and and playing around with uh, sexual identity and then finding themselves at the end. Like, Pretty I mean, that's, I that's, mean that's, that's, that's you could say you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it really, it actually is a movie about transformation mm-hmm. in many different ways. Yeah. yeah. And they are actually different people at the end than they were at the beginning. Oh, very much so. They're, they're not the same. They evolve throughout this movie and do they become responsible? No. I don't think nah, so. I mean, I mean, it's to a point, yes. I mean, I think, I think Joe really oh, does love sure sugar. Do you, <laughs> you really know? think Joe and sugar are going to last? No. 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 I, I think um, he loves her now. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I had a actually. I thought the romantic couple was uh, Daphne and totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very much so. I think that yeah. couple might last. What kind of a girl do you think I am? I don't know. I'm uh, more of what? an optimist, <laughs> and I'm no more of an optimist. So I I will believe because to me, like if if Joe does learn anything, then then if he is growing, then yes, he and and Sugar will stay together. But I mean, Sugar doesn't go through any transformation here. 
No, she's pretty much the no. same character. She, she she stays the same throughout. Yeah, she'll she'll continue to be an alcoholic. Uh, yes, yeah, an alcoholic is. sex pot. Which well, during exactly. the prohibition, that's got to be a challenge. Where do you get, where do you <laughs> yeah. get your hit all the time? No, no, a little you, like Marilyn, I guess. Well, she did, I was going to say if you look if you look like Marilyn, <laughs> getting booze is not a problem. I guess not. <laughs> getting anything is not a problem. Hello, well, guys. exactly. Well, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, even her, her final lines in it, you know, I'm just a dumb blonde, I guess, you know, and she's just playing off for the stupid thing. And I actually, I was like, oh, great. You know, yeah. she had to play off that thing. I was hoping she would have grown too. She's like, oh, I saw through you or whatever, you know, it would have been something a little more reasonable no, but she's, no she's, she is definitely no, there's, just there's not much depth here but i do think her performance does give it a little bit more of a um like an awareness you know she realizes that she's the, she's self-aware the, that she's a dumb blonde yeah. yes yeah. exactly and well I, I mean there's a vulnerability there yeah. there's there's even a melancholy oh there. that last yeah. song she sings yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I mean, Joe did give her the the bracelet full of real diamonds. I mean, that's something. So, I mean, they needed the money in order to get on the lamb. You know, that, right. that's a consideration, right? So what were they going to do? Like sell coconuts? Where were they going to go? No clue. The mob's after them going to kill them at any minute. So, you know, it's a sex farce. It's not meant to be read, you know, on the deeper, deeper, deeper levels because it's, yeah. there's not much there once you wade past the sexual identity um, craziness that's going on there. We, Except for don't about- be a mobster. That was kind of a pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or actually, I think it's more like don't witness mobsters being. Yeah, there's mobsters. that too. Yeah. Don't be a, don't be a stupid mobster. <laughs> don't don't uh, be an informant. <laughs> uh, I also think too. I mean, uh, not only does it play around with like homosexuality and cross dressing, etc., but uh, another taboo subject was uh, impotence. And, oh yeah, you know, the whole it, thing about it. Yeah. What Junior? He can't but, you know, get it up. I I had no idea that impotence was an attractive way to get like you know women. So uh, well, um, now you I, now you have your game plan, Mike. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you see, we've all learned something. Exactly. And Mike is like, damn, and there's no Dragon Con this year. <laughs> <laughs> damn it! I was just I was just waiting for somebody to be like, challenge accepted. well you know that there is there is a thing such as straight men going into gay bars acting gay to become friends with straight women who go to gay bars to start relationships it happens oh yeah of course it happens so this this is this is a trope in real life is what that guys guys it's not even a trope it's real life guys will do anything pretty much (laughs) pretty much and that's, you know, I mean, even they acknowledge it. Uh, at one point, uh, Tony Curtis's character, because, uh, yeah, Jerry says he's he's surprised at, like, you know, how how women get picked on uh, and, and picked up on all the time. And, his, like, his butt literally hurts. And he's like, I'm not even that attractive. And Joe says, like, you don't have to be attractive. No, you're, you're wearing just, a skirt. You're skirt. That's yeah. all that's necessary. Nice to know everyone's standards are that high, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, it's true. Especially when you show up at the horniest hotel in Florida with all those millionaires, like, waiting (laughs) on the patio. Yeah, just sitting in their rocking chair. (laughs) Waiting for this crew of women to come in. It's like, wow. (laughs) 
That's uh, that's why that's why they need a that's why the the they need a women more um, uh, members of the orchestra every year. Oh, they keep losing them to rich. They get men married off. Yeah, right. Because they get married Sue, off. she lost three people in her orchestra that one night. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. What's she going to do without a bow, fiddle, a sax, and a ukulele player? And the lead singer. And a lead singer <laughs> yep. on top of it. Well, that yep. means Grace Lee Whitney's character can move up. Yeah, true. There you go. <laughs> Poor young <But> yeah. Rand. <laughs> uh, it was awesome. It was neat to see some very familiar faces and the familiar location because those of uh, who've been to San Diego Comic-Con have recognized Hotel, uh, was it Del Coronado? Yeah, is, Del Coronado. Yeah. Is uh where they filmed it in San Diego and supposed to be Miami, but yeah. you know, it was just like yeah. it's, it's got palm Diego. trees, it's close enough to Florida for Exactly. <laughs> it's warm, it's beautiful, it's like, yeah. And it's probably cheaper for them to just go right down the coast instead of having to go across the country to film this. Especially with how much money they were losing on Maryland's lines at the point. Right. <laughs> you didn't want to pay for the whole crew to be, you know. They they could just be in trailers out in the parking lot as opposed to having to have nice hotel rooms in Miami or something. Mm -hmm, Because, you know, Marilyn would have needed a suite. Jack Lemmon would have needed a suite. Tony Curtis would have needed – that's a lot of money. Tell them to drive home every night. It's fine. What? You mean Jack Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis just didn't share a room like that? I'm sure they (laughs) didn't. I'm sure they didn't. (laughs) I have a feeling with that many uh, female extras on on hand, the uh, gentlemen were quite busy during the day when they weren't shooting they were all trying to fit into the birth together probably <laughs> probably is, is, is tony is this before he was married i i don't remember to be honest with you does it even matter i mean <laughs> seriously i mean it's hollywood really yeah <laughs> sorry i'm just trying yeah, to we were out... just acting <laughs> no, i'm sitting there i'm trying to think of like okay how, how old is jamie lee curtis is she like could she, could she have been conceived during this movie you know mm, i don't know maybe I mean, she was what, eighteen, nineteen when she did Halloween, something like that. In the yeah. seven, in the seventies. So yeah, maybe, maybe it's um, close. Okay, so he was married to <laughs> he was married to Janet Leigh between fifty one and sixty two. Okay, so yeah. yeah, so yeah, they were married. They were yeah. married during this time. So shortly this was thereafter, fifty eight. So yep. yeah, so um, and then I'm trying to think of where Jamie Lee was born. <laughs> Jamie Lee was born in 58. Ah. Uh, so. Dum, dum, dum. So, yeah, around the same time. Well, you know, Janet, <laughs> Janet was probably busy. I don't know. I'm just, you know, spitballing there. You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, the, not, not the point. but Not uh, touching that one. Mm-mm. No, thank I, you. I, what I what I like about you know it's just it's great when these movies that have significant cultural performances uh, you know significance are are actually enjoyable and fun to watch even all these like I mean I've seen this movie dozens of times like you said uh, Turner Classic Movies shows it all the time in fact they're showing it I think after like from while we're recording this uh, it's going to be on next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always like, you know, if I'm, if I'm not doing anything else, I'll put it on there just in the background. And I always end up getting, watching it because it's, I mean, it's great. Uh, the, the, the dialogue, the way the story flows, the interaction of the characters, it's just fun watching Tony Lee, uh, Tony Curtis do the, uh, you know, the Cary Grant impersonation. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's, you know, I mean, so a lot of that stuff, you know, we talk about how stuff couldn't be filmed now in a lot of ways, the sexual stuff and everything like that, that could be done now, but some of this other stuff, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that seduction scene on the boat could be done now. No, it's too date rapey. Yeah. Yeah. You would yeah, have to have some kind of a steward or somebody on the ship to get away with that, have them coming in and out or whatever, you know? Oh yeah. There, there's no yeah. way. Cause I mean, she, Marilyn does re- remark that, wow, this is kind of weird to be alone with a man on a boat. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Where's your rape? Well, and, <laughs> and he's totally lying, lying to her and taking advantage of oh, her. Totally. Yeah. And how yeah. did he know which boat it was? That's my question. Like I said, there are plot holes. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, we don't see them ever get into drag, even though Junior is perfectly fine as a man on the street. And then suddenly he is in full drag face makeup after a brisk run in a climb to a hotel room. <laughs> I, you know, there, there's just a lot of improbabilities here. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It takes a lot longer to get into that crap yeah. than people did, think. It I mean, does. did you see the the scene in Tootsie where Dustin Hoffman is getting into all that crap? I mean, it <laughs> takes a minute. So for him to suddenly be sitting there in the tub that's fully drawn in full Josephine face, it's like, right. no, that did not just happen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know about five minute drag faces. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> most most drag queens usually start by painting over their entire face. If you ever watch how they do drag face, and maybe we'll do one of those YouTubes at one point just for the comparison, they basically mask. They start with glue sticks on their eyebrows to get rid of their manly eyebrows, and then they paint whatever features they want on their face. Usually well, they start with, like, white all over their face if they're a white um, drag queen, and then paint over their face with the feminine features that they want. It takes mm-hmm. a good half an hour to an hour to get into drag. The thing is, especially since it was a period piece, mm-hmm. I thought it worked better with it being black and white. Oh, totally it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that actually I think was a good decision. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. it worked really well. And I tell you, I mean, I know that Marilyn didn't want, I mean, to, she's, she had it in her contract that it was going to be in color mm-hmm. all of her movies because she felt she looked better that way, but uh i'm telling you she i dare you to find i dare you to find another movie where she looks as hot as she does in this one it's uh, that whoever did her dresses props just props to the dress yeah. makers they knew what they were yeah, doing they, they knew <laughs> down to the <laughs> centimeter where Marilyn's decolletage hit so you know it's like nope that's where we have to nip that right in the bud literally what that yeah. there's that story of uh when she that that the uh the costume designer was fitting them and when he was fitting Marilyn he said that uh he kind of laughed cuz he said that uh, Tony Curtis has a better ass than she does <laughs> and, and and she wow. turned around and and she turned around and, and put his boob her her boobs right in in his face and said oh yeah does he have these <laughs> you well, go Marilyn. you know <laughs> And I'm like, you know, that guy was probably gay, but I bet he yeah. enjoyed it nonetheless. Probably. <laughs> there, there's, there's not a gay man alive who doesn't appreciate a good rack. It's true. I was going to say, you know, that's I just the way so, it is. I have so many friends who are fag hags. So it's, you know, it's, it's like boobs. For some reason, gay guys boobs. like boobs. 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 Everybody B- likes boobs. B E W B S. Boobs. Boobs. 
It's, it's like they're suddenly they're there. Ah, boobs. It's like being at a gay bar and suddenly, ah, boobs. <laughs> they're, they're unusual to be here. Look at that. Okay. And then you move around and you're good. So, like I said, I'm just glad that it, like, we're, here we have something that, you know, you, when you watch it, it doesn't feel dated. It feels fresh. Uh, even all these years later, I think it's still really watchable. Um, now, granted, I, I like watching classic movies, so maybe that's just my take on it. But yeah, I, I, I think kids coming up today, if they're exposed to more drag before they see this movie, might not see the big deal about this movie. No, they right, wouldn't at all. But I think they can still. Well, they wouldn't see it. No, yeah, but they, in the same they way. Wouldn't see they see it I, as the ha ha humorous, like you know, cinema's taught everyone at this point. This is yeah. funny stuff because they're automatically funny because they're in dresses. They don't have to say anything. That's funny, you know. Now, you know, with RuPaul's Drag Race everywhere, drag becomes more ubiquitous, and it's not a big deal at all. So. But this is not like, but this, that's the beauty of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like once you, yeah, they're that first shot where they're in uh, walking to the train, we're laughing because they're in a dress. But that's, I mean, Billy Wilder doesn't run that to the ground. No. This is not an, this is not an SNL sketch, right? Like no. he's like, okay, we laugh at that. Now I'm going to do some other stuff. That's going to be funny. Like he, he progressively moves it. So it's not just one joke over and over again. That you're yeah. Laughing. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the reason why the movies had the staying power it has. Yes. yes. Because he doesn't linger on that. No. The one time they even really come close to talking at all about it is when they're trying to escape from the gangsters, if you remember. Jack Lemmon's character is still wearing the women's shoes, even though he's dressed mm-hmm. back as a man. And that's how they're able to... <laughs> they, did hey, it's of, them. they did a lot of quick changes, didn't they? It's like, <laughs> oh, when they, that when, they, when they ran up the stairs and then all of a sudden they were coming down the elevator in drag, mm-hmm. it's just like... Like, no, that would not happen. Yeah, no. that is not how it That's works. That's not how any of that works. <laughs> you know, let's forget even tucking because that <laughs> that's that's a that's a process in and of itself, right there. <laughs> Although I'm sure they didn't do that, but they would have had to do something with the dress. To, well, they had to do something. Yeah. yeah, you can't walk around in a dress with a bulge in it. That's just not going to work. Those lines no. are not. Well, you can, you, but it's going to be can, a little obvious. But, uh... <laughs> oh, I was almost full. Nowadays, you would have gotten that if you know the scene when they were up all in the berth and all the women were trying to gather up around Jack Lemmon's character. Tickle him. Oh, and yeah. he was getting tickled. He would have had a bulge. He totally. Oh, totally. And and he, and he th- did. They just didn't touch him there. Yeah. If you didn't have a bulge, if the, if the captain wasn't at full salute, for crying out oh, loud. Oh, God, yeah. Who knew when the last time Jack Lemmon had been with a woman at this point in the movie? I mean. Yeah. I'm a girl. 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 <laughs> Go take wow. a cold shower if you can walk that far. I mean, oh, the only I... time they get, like, called out for being men is when Sweet Sue is like, there's something about those girls. And then it's just dropped, you know, because I guess she needed. I... The bass yeah, fiddle I, player and the saxophone player more than she needed to figure out that they were men. But you know. I was fully expecting that more throughout the movie, mm-hmm. you know, the first time I had seen it, that there was going to be like hijinks, you know, them, her, sweet Sue, you know, I know you're up to something, you too, you know, the whole. What the do whole you thing. mean? <laughs> exactly. No, uh, they just dropped it. I don't know if there was more than that. That's what they cut or what, but. Um, no, they're just they're accepted by almost everybody. <laughs> and you know her, the guy, the chaper, male chaperone, you know who couldn't see because Tony Curtis had his glasses. Palmed <laughs> 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 his glasses, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The shell oil 
air. There. <laughs> Going from that to a sax player. The, the lecherous bellboy. Oh, my God. <laughs> this don't worry really about getting up. hotel, yeah. people. This is a really, if you want to get laid, find this bell hotel. Boy. <laughs> the bellboy's shagging everybody, apparently. So. Oh, I have a key to all the rooms. Don't worry. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, he was creepy. He was actually. very creepy. Could you imagine checking into the Hyatt at Dragon Con and having that as your bellboy? Like, no. Oh, God. No, you do not have my no. pass key. No, sir. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not allowed. <laughs> We'd be dressing up as women then, for sure. Dear God. Mm-hmm. Dress up exactly. as wikis or something. I don't know. Something to avoid him. <laughs> Almost a furry. That might work. A furry suit might work. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. Then he pulls out his, his furry king. <laughs> goes that. That's, uh, what do you mean? That's that's the sequel. What do you mean? I was going to say, like, <laughs> the sequel is going to be some, some, some Like It Furry. Some Like, some it, like it Furry. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, God. And there's, that was, and there's that. that. Was my, there was one of my worst nightmares having to explain the furry to William the first time. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Well, did you have to explain yiffing? Please say no. <laughs> Good. Don't go there. Don't okay. go there. Good. Good. Glad. Don't go there. Don't go there. Yeah, I think we uh, passed that mark when we uh, were talking about Jack Lemon's erection. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, you you have to think about how would this have worked? How would this have worked? And it's like they would have been caught here. They would have been caught here. They would have well, been caught here. It would not have worked. Yeah, it's yeah. that's not the. I mean, yeah, I mean, but you that's can not spend the whole. Point. I was gonna say you can spend yeah, the whole movie about matter. that, but it's like that's no. There's no fun in that. The, the, you just the have plot to holes. Ex- yeah, you just kind of accept the ride. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the plot holes would ruin this exactly. movie if you're really thinking about them. So don't think about them. Just enjoy sure, the movie. Sure. Exactly. The, the performances are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it was nominated for some awards. I don't know if it actually got anything, but uh, lighting uh, designer. Uh, wow. <laughs> ooh. ooh. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to light Marilyn right. I, I think um, I think Marilyn <laughs> got something for the Sugar Cane performance. I think it was a Golden Globe or something. I mean, she already had two Golden Globes, but you know what I mean. <laughs> sure, uh, we know. <laughs> we know what you meant. You know what I mean. Um, maybe it was a different movie she was in, but I thought it was this one. So, um, yeah. Oops. So, but yeah, this this is um, a classic. Uh, what drag looks like to straight people in the 1950s, and for that reason, that's why it's part of the uh, the canon. And no, we'll we'll I'm... start to examine uh, more stuff about this fun topic soon, but we're gonna hold, s- hold, hold, hold. It did win Golden Globes for Best oh. Actor in Motion Picture Comedy or Musical for Jack Lemmon. Oh, Jack. Uh, Marilyn Monroe won Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. Okay. Um, and Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy. So yeah. it, Sweet. it won awesome. uh, Academy yeah. Awards. It won Best Director for Billy Wilder, mm. uh, Best Actor for Jack Lemmon, Best Adapted Screenplay for Billy Wilder. It was uh, nominated. It did not win those. Uh, oh, recipient at, uh, nomination. It was nominated. Yeah, sorry, right. Yeah. No, it just, it, it, the it, only one it won was for Best Costume Design. Exactly. Sorry, it was nominated. These were nominated, but it did win all those Golden Globes I had mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Academy yeah. doesn't like comedies as a rule. Yeah. I mean, honestly. 
Yeah. And you know, there's it's probably, probably there's probably too many people from Kansas on the boards. So. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. The Legion of Decency. <laughs> Legion of Decency strikes again. That so explains where actually Paul's parents came from. Okay, oh that my explains. God. <laughs> wow. But her love of movies it so explains it. True that. Very true that. Darren, well, thank you so much for this one. Oh, you're welcome. Because next time we're gonna we're gonna do another Billy Wilder before we start heading into a more modern sensibility. We cannot leave this era of gay icons without visiting a certain Ms. Desmond, who lives oh, on course. Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> so we're gonna be seeing her very very soon. I hope you all get ready for your close-ups. Uh oh. Uh oh. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment, and we're going to get out of here. Hey, everyone. Michelle here with an iconic Rock Talk Show moment. And first up, some... What's actually breaking news as I speak, on Monday, the NYPD announced the arrest and indictment of two men in the 18-year-old cold case of the murder of Jason Mizell, also known as Jam Master J of Run DMC. Uh, Mizell was shot in 1992 in cold blood in his studio in Queens. Uh, prosecutors have identified the alleged suspects as 56-year-old Ronald Washington, um, who was a suspect in this case as far back as 2007, and 36-year-old Carl Jordan Jr., who is the uh, alleged triggerman. Um, the case alleges that the gunman barged into the studio looking for 10 kilograms of cocaine for distribution in Maryland. Uh, Jay informed Washington that he, Washington, uh, wouldn't be part of, dis of distributing the drugs, so they shot him. Um, so we'll see how the, uh, the trial plays out. Um, another news this past week, the bad place must be a cool and breezy, uh, vacation spot now because something happened that a lot of people thought would never happen. Hank Williams Jr. will be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, only three acts get into the Country Music Hall of Fame every year. It is, it's tough to get in there. Tim McGraw ain't in, the Judds ain't in, June Carter Cash ain't in. It's tough to get in there, folks, so this is, uh, a lot of people wanted him in, and it, it's finally happened. Uh, also rounding out the class are Marty Stewart, and in the songwriter category, Dean Dillon. Uh, Williams' career spans almost 60 years, so this is a long-time uh, coming accolade. And in other news, tangential to a Hall of Fame, uh, here's a group that those of us in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Watcher community talk about a lot. The Go-Go's are in the top 10 on two current Billboard charts. Uh, their back catalog is also selling and seeing some chart action. Uh, this is all in the wake of their Showtime documentary. Um, they have a new single out called Club Zero, and it launched at number 7 on the August 15th Rock Digital Song Sales chart. 2,000 downloads in the first week. And the track also opened at number 14 on the Alternative Digital Song Sales. So 80s music is back. Close your eyes, and it's a much, much better time. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will catch you next time. 
everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. A new Star Trek series is now out on CBS All Access, and for those of you who do not have the service, you can watch the first episode for free online, like I did. Um, I think it's either on YouTube, or they have a link on the CBS All Access webpage. Now, I'm going to tell you that this show is hilarious. It is an animated series. Um, and there will be spoilers in this, so if you haven't watched it yet, this is your chance to turn back. Okay, so I want to start with the opening credits. From the start, you know this is going to be funny and a comical take on Star Trek. I think my favorite part, though, was the ship seeing the Borg cubes and then turning around and flying in the other direction. It was just so funny to me. Now, this show does focus on a crew that deals with second contact. We are introduced to a new ensign who arrives onto the USS Ceratos. I think I said that right. And she's given a tour by ensigns Biamler and Beckett. They show her around and then Biamler is sent to the captain and told to report on anything that Beckett does that is off protocol or incorrect. We see that Beckett is kind of a firecracker and does her own thing. She has been reassigned to the Cerados after having been on ships that made first contact on other planets and she got in a lot of trouble. Later on, a crew member returns from a planet and one of the members is infected with a virus that turns anyone who has it aggressive and those infected started infecting others on the ship so craziness ensues. While the virus is taking over the ship, Ensigns Beckett and Biamler and others are making second contact on a planet. Biamler sees Beckett giving something to some farmers on the planet and he accuses her of giving them contraband when she's really just bringing them tools that they really need to be able to farm, having met these farmers on first contact on a different ship. Um, wacky antics ensue and Biamler ends up being covered in a slimy goo and having to go back to the ship covered in this goo. They, they return to the ship and find out that it has almost been taken over by these crazed infected people. However, the goo that is on Biomer ends up being the cure for the virus and the day is saved. Also, Biomer also covers for Beckett, realizing that her heart is in the right place, even if her methods are a bit not right. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank Darren for bringing this one to us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime, sugar. It's always good. 
it's it was a lot of fun and i'm already looking forward to what we're going to talk about next time anything you want to shout out about sir um yes go vote <laughs> please register check your registration vote um vote early <laughs> i think I early voting is going to be no don't say vote often <laughs> early voting i think is going to be the way to go this year as opposed to relying on the mail relying on getting an absentee ballot and going on the last day of voting i think early voting is going to be the way to play it this year yeah it's the best way to do it to make sure your vote counts that's all that's all i want is everybody go vote if you value um lgbt life um, which is under assault daily from our current administration in one form or another that doesn't hit the mainstream news please go vote please you there know you vote. and you know if anything matters in this world November is going to come very quick, folks. Yep. I can't believe it's middle of August already. And, you know, please, if you have a chance, your vote counts in this country. It's it's a right every citizen has. Don't take it for granted. And don't get cocky if you hear, oh, the polls, you know, one side's winning more than others and everything. No. Don't fall for that po- crap. Polls, polls are great to look at. Go vote. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Polls That's, mean nothing if you don't vote. Polls are, yeah, completely meaningless. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you, exactly. I, have, I have never been polled in my life. Take that as you want it, but it's true. I, I wasn't. So gonna I don't know who they're that. asking. I wasn't going to comment there. So uh, <laughs> go vote. Go freaking do not vote. Yeah, yeah, please vote, vote, vote. Definitely understand that. Thank you anyway. And mm-hmm. you are still doing the Legion podcast. I am Legion of Substitute Podcasters dot com. So Legion which is, has which is different from the Legion of Decency podcast. That's very true. Sure. <laughs> yes, because I, I usually let a couple of f bombs loose on my podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've heard, especially I about could. yeah, New Legion stuff. No. Oh, so. don't! Mm, I love the New Legion stuff. I'm loving it every issue I get. Mm. There are a lot of people who don't like it, and I, I feel sorry for them. But uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, we'll talk off, off the we, air. We can talk off the air. I will will convert you. Trust me. And Mary, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This was a great movie to talk about. I really enjoyed it. Anything you want to shout out about? You you talked about a very interesting topic last night when we did the Board Silly podcast. I did. The uh, Women's History Museum has a project where they want to preserve women's voices during the COVID epidemic. And so they are asking women to submit journals and you can just go to their website and um, fill out the submission form. And then you have over a year to, to get it to them. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's a way to make sure that, that women are heard and that their experiences are recorded and not forgotten. And so I highly encourage anyone who's interested in doing that to go to the women's history museum website and um, take part. That is awesome. And it's a great, great thing. And we'll have a link to it up on our show notes. So thank you. Thank you. And of course, do you want to promote your artwork? Yes, you can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision arts. That's cool. Most definitely. And Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? 
I do. Uh, I had the honor and pleasure of uh, hosting and recording a uh, panel, the Tiki Pop Art panel for Dragon Con uh, 2020. Uh, we've been doing this uh, Tiki Pop Art panel now for five years. And uh, I will have more information on where people can watch that uh, as it develops. But one of the panelists that we had last year uh, was his, her name, Sarah Hoffman. And uh, she recently came out with a book uh, during this quarantine time. She has been uh, concocting uh, drinks, uh, cocktails, if you will, uh, that represent uh, her state of being. During this time, there's the emotional distress, there's the staycation, there's the economic freefall, there's the hard rain on a sunny day, uh, disinfection injection, lots of fun drinks that uh, you can enjoy. uh, Because you know what? To get through this time, we we all need a little help, right? So this this should be able to help in some ways. Uh, It's a great book. All Cooped Up is what it's called. All Cooped Up Volume 1. Because uh, I think she sees that this is, <laughs> this is not, exactly <laughs> that this is not going to end, uh, and uh, I think it's her first book. So uh, congratulations to her! I got it in the mail this week, and it's a lot of fun. So I'll make a, sure that uh, there's a link in the show notes so people can check that out. That is awesome, man! Really awesome, and of course, you know, like Mike had mentioned. We're starting to do panels for Dragon Con because there is going to be a virtual Dragon Con coming up. And I know the Dragon Con report will be out probably in the next few days after this goes live. We'll have a new episode of the Dragon Con report getting ready, talking about, you know, how you're going to be able to watch these panels virtually for free. You're going to be able to watch Dragon Con TV for free. You're going to get four channels, isn't it? Oh, uh, three. three, three channels, three, three, very good, very good. All right, we will talk about Dragon Con, but no, Dragon Con TV will be uh, out there for free, and so you'll be able to watch uh, panels, you'll be able to watch all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, Earth Station, who has already recorded two panels for Dragon Con through the Brit Tracks. Um, Mike has done a tiki uh, panel, like he had mentioned. Um, on Wednesday, I'm recording for the classic sci-fi track. We're doing a real genius panel, talking about the 35th anniversary of the Val Kilmer cl- classic movie. Classic is with an air quote quotes there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And then I know next weekend we're recording a 12 Monkeys panel. So we're going to be talking all about that. I'm already signed up for Dragon Con weekend, a couple of more panels through the uh, Brit tracks and also through the new media track. So I'll be right now, I'm on four different tracks um, talking about podcasts and such. So We'll be busy, you know, through Dragon Con. So you'll be able to see some very familiar faces up on Dragon Con TV this year. So it'd be pretty cool. And, you know, like I said, look for the new Dragon Con report coming real soon after this is released. So probably within a couple of days. So it'll be, and just a reminder, the Dragon Con report is not part of the Earth Station One feed anymore. It has its own feed. So those who don't know, 
all probably since 2014. You can go to dragonconreport.com and you can listen to all old episodes and we live Darren talking about, you know, how many times he's dressed in it as Wonder Warrior or his version of apple pie. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. It's yeah, always good, a great time. Good times, good times. How many names I can mispronounce? It's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, that's epic. So, you know, yeah, me that's... and Mary doing our guest lists, you know. There Fetch we go. the abacus, sir. Oh, exactly. So it's actually a lot of fun. And you know what, folks? It's been great just talking to you guys this week. We will be back again next week. And we are going to have Dr. Scott Figuet joining us next week. We are going to be doing another look at science. Science! It's been a while, been a while since we've actually talked about science. So it's awesome. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun to do. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. On behalf of myself, Mary Ogle, Darren Noel, and Mr. Mike Gordon, it is always great to entertain you guys. Be safe. And folks, just, you know, try to stay healthy. We miss you guys. We'll hopefully see you guys somewhere down the road. Peace. And we are done. Woohoo! Boom. Yay! You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.